Dude, how you doing? Hey, I'm I'm excited to be here, man. This is this is awesome, man. Dude, fuck yeah, guys. Hey, what's up? The, welcome to uh, fucking I don't know episode eleven, I guess, <laughs> I, uh, of Help I'm High and Kate. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. But uh, close enough. <laughs> yeah. But um, so episode eleven, Jesse Pimpinella in the house. What's up, fucking number one Amazon special of all time. <laughs> Above Dave Chappelle, <laughs> right beside da Bo Burnham, Joe Rogan called Jesse Pimpinella and he said, Jesse, how do you get good shit on Amazon? How? How long did it take you to do that special? Okay, so uh, it was a process. Uh, it was, it, it, and, and, I'll, and every good process starts with this phrase. Uh, Fuck it, I'll do it myself. And that's 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 the biggest thing. Don't wait for somebody to tell you. So a buddy of mine, Matt Onesti and Harrison Poole. Harrison Poole was my director. Matt Onesti is a producer. We're all good friends. Okay. Uh, we did a back-to-back -back filming comedy special in one night. And we pulled together uh, the money we needed uh, to get a camera crew, a film like Yeah, camera crew, audio crew. Uh, we talked with... Um, the funny farm that uh, they're in Youngstown, right below their floor is this giant area that we asked if we can use. And we turned that whole thing into a showroom for one night only. Wow. And we filmed two shows, you know, Matt's segment, my segment. Then we did it again later on. And it was packed. We, we did radio. We did sponsorships. We did everything. We came up with a budget to make this happen. Um, sold out. You sold said? out twice. So it sold out. First show sold out. The second show, Dude. the second show sold yeah. out twice because what happened was we had people around the block, and me and Matt were like, we're not going to tell turn people away. So we got me and, and I'm on this level. They're like, no, you stay in the green room. I'm like, I'm not staying in a green room. I'm going to find some chairs. So I mean, everybody's grabbing chairs from all over the building. Like the old grandparent wooden chairs, the rocking chairs and everything. Dang. Putting them in the back so everybody could join. I didn't want to turn anybody away. The first wow. show was rocking. I don't want to turn them away. So and the sh both shows went off without a hitch. It was perfect. And then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> And then that was the hard part because we couldn't meet to to also in a room and edit this properly. Shoot. Yes. So really quick, because I've actually always been curious about uh, the whole special process. Um, like, so you record both nights and then, you know, obviously it's like as close to the same set as possible. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. with some subtle word changes or something, but like, yeah. like you just like take the best parts from each show? Good question. So essentially you film two shows back to back on the same night. Okay. And the reason why you do that is because everybody knows what comedy, some jokes are going to hit differently with different audiences. That's just the way it is. Yeah. All right. And a comedy special is the best representation of that. In my case, I scored it heavily on the first run. And then on the second show, second show was great. But then I was telling myself, so like the last were equal, but here's what it came down to. The second show, I had quicker setups. So it came down to me loving all the parts that weren't supposed to be funny, the setups. So in the first show, you know, I'm getting big laughs, but a setup might be 15 to 20. But then I noticed in the second show, all my setups were 10 to 15. So I was like, so keep everything in the same show, but change the setups. Change okay. it so I can get to there quicker and faster. So it was weird. When you do a comedy special, I mean, it's obviously funny. 
because you did it in front of a live audience. You'll know if it's yeah. not funny. But the biggest process will come with all the non-funny things, the setups, the angles, camera angles. Uh, you know, because we had a uh, six-camera setup that night. Oh shoot! Yeah, uh, we went all out. We Dang. and we broke <laughs> even on that night, so that was perfect. So then, anything we sold. Our first album made money immediately versus oh, fuck having yeah. to recoup. Hell everything. yeah, dude, that's amazing. So, so it was good. Uh, I hope I answered the question properly. So yeah, yeah, you get those videos and you're doing the same set essentially, and then you tie it together. So how? So you said that you preferred the shorter setups, correct? Correct. So uh, you did you use most of that one then? So I use so of the second show, I used only the setups. Whoa. And then the, for the first show, the laughs were perfect. The laughs were exactly what I needed. I mean, don't get me wrong. The second show had great laughs. But what happened was in the second show was th there was a little bit of crowd work needed to be done because this was uh, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. People were getting a little drunk, getting a little bit crazy. Yeah. So there's so I could not do a traditional set. And yeah. my traditional punchlines were uh, more geared towards you being in the room rather than watching it. Because that's the one thing I'm very, I was very adamant about during the editing process. I want to make something that not only was enjoyable to be at, but to watch later on. Because yeah. if you were seeing a, because here's the, thing, I saw, I'm not gonna say the comedian's name, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying anything derogatory towards him. I saw a show live, okay, and it was hilarious. It's great. And then months later, I see it uh, on Netflix, right? And it didn't have that same energy. Was it the same show that you watched? Same show, exactly. Oh, wow. Same show, exactly. He was filming it. All, he was doing stuff on the road to get it ready. Was he, and uh, then, is it the guy who got like his first Netflix special? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Somebody who's had numerous specials. Oh, okay, okay. But it, it, it was just because the, the, the special didn't catch the energy of that room. So in that second show, it was a great show. But the problem was it was more geared towards, uh, not want to say too much crowd work. But towards the audience, and if you're not there in the audience, it, yeah. you're going to have a disconnect. Yeah, and that's the last. It thing has you to be want. like extra funny. You know what I mean? Exactly. In order for like the audience at home to be like, "Oh, that's hilarious." Yeah. You know what I mean, because like, I always feel like I'm watching. Like uh, one of my favorite crowd work guys is uh, Andrew Schultz. Oh, brilliant, dude! Fucking dude, he, murderer. He is one of the best ones out there right yeah. now. Yeah, he is one of the best ones. But great example that crab works uh, special. That was great because yeah. everything was so to speak non-specific to that exactly. room. That was my issue. I was specific to that room okay. because when you tour lo long enough, you know a city very well. Yeah. So those jokes are killing there. But but I'm thinking somebody in Seattle is going to be like, what? Yeah. You know. Okay. So yeah, and that happens. But so great. How long do you do comedy before you decide I have a special? That is a really good question. Uh, so there isn't, here's the thing. The first thing is what makes a comic great before they even do a special, you know, because here's the thing. I tried to shoot one when I wasn't great and Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh God. What a fail. Really? How many years in? Uh, five years because I was amazing. And I was like, why wasn't comedy central calling me? Dude. <laughs> I was like, I was like, nice. they're not calling me. I'm amazing. I'm killing it at these dive bars. Dang, that's crazy. <laughs> so I was arrogant. You know what I mean? Uh, and I filled it and it wasn't good. It was, it was embarrassing. It was wow. horrible. It was, and, uh, and I filmed it in a really cool place. There's a place in Youngstown called the Merry-Go-Round Bar. Okay. And that was where Ella Fitzgerald had her uh, re wedding reception with the Rat Pack there. Because oh, you got to wow. keep in mind, back then, Youngstown was, 
uh, it was between Chicago and New York and Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So it was this like, well, back in the 40s and 50s, it was mob central. That was the place for mobs. Let me give you an idea of how mob related Youngstown is. At the end of the movie Goodfellas, when Henry Hill is picking up the newspaper, that's my hometown's newspaper he's picking up. Hell it yeah. was a nod to the Vindicator, which is Youngstown's newspaper. So that just to give you an idea of. Do you have mob in your family? Uh, no. He didn't say we can <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> oh, uh, bum, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, uh, yeah. You I, have, you have, here's Pimpinella sounds like a fucking, <laughs> like, oh shit, Jesse Pimpinella, he's gonna come, he's gonna fucking shoot me. He's gonna fucking shoot me. So I've, here's the thing. I've experienced weird things I should not have experienced as a kid. <laughs> all right? I'm going to say that right now. Like, I, I got grandma. That's like the norm now. My is. grandmother's <laughs> like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some bread. We park, behind, <laughs> we park behind a factory and she has a box of clothes. That's all it is. Just a box of old clothes. And then she walks out with fresh loaf breads and they're still warm from the oven. Dude. And that's how we got bread. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It, uh, uh, no, literally, my Italian family is not. That's uh, so funny. Here's the one doesn't really messed up. What's up? Okay, so uh, my grandfather, when he grew up in Italy, there, uh, and this is before he Benito Mussolini was a dictator. Okay, yep. and he was great until Hitler got influence on him. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like loving Anakin Skywalker and then hating Darth Vader, essentially. When oh, you talk about Mussolini, shoot. Right? So like my grandfather was like, because right, when he was a kid, Mussolini did everything for him. But then I was thinking, I didn't know who Mussolini was. My, my grandfather was talking about Mussolini all the time. Like, Mussolini's great. Mussolini's great. How do you think Santa Claus gets around the world in one day? Mussolini, Mussolini. Every single time, Mussolini. Uh, and then he, because my grandfather, oh, he didn't know like lullabies when I was a kid. I didn't realize what he was singing to me until recently. It was the propaganda song songs uh, benito e mussolini ay, 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 ah, la, la. like, like, <laughs> like I, I was like what is going so, That's like, so, funny. so I, I, when we, I, do you know how crushed i was when i went to history class in fourth grade and found out who he was <laughs> they're like yeah he assisted hitler i'm like no no, no. he helped santa claus it's like that he helped santa claus i'm like crying my eyes out Santa Claus isn't real. What? <laughs> Santa Claus. So what was Mussolini doing? What was Mussolini doing? <laughs> that was, yeah, all that missing all these, time. And then I go to my grandfather. He's like, there look, he was great before the Hitler stuff. <laughs> uh, gee, it's like loving O.J. Simpson for it, his football uh, career <laughs> and naked gun. But then it's like, ah, you know that trial stuff? That's bad, obviously. <laughs> it is It is kind of funny how people fall off a little bit, you know, sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes they, they go a little off the rails. Like, they start great. Yeah. They start great. Like, to me, that was like. I mean, the, Soviet Russia started off pretty great, too, didn't it? <laughs> Man, great schools and, and then people just started dying. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? Stalin's out there like he sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I always, oh dude, I remember hearing stories about like the dictators that like would have like or like kings uh, of like you know ancient Africa or whatever that would like they would do those things where uh, they would have the like, people clap, stand and clap or whatever. Yeah, 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 and yeah. They, if they stopped or sat down, then they would. Dead. Oh, dude. That shit's nuts. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it's. But that, like, 
my my so my Italian family is nuts in that aspect. But I think I derailed the entire question you asked me. You were like, "When when are you ready for the specials?" When so is I he ready? No, that was my fault, dude. No, no, I have the worst. <laughs> I'm act, I actually do have ADD, so it's like, dude, I got I got a coupon for it. it. I got a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like I follow pretty well, and I can like a lot of times like people are like, "Oh shit, what were we talking about?" And I'm like, well, "This is what you're saying." And I'm like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so so anyway. Anyways, um, when you're, I say it takes 10 good years to make you into a good comic. It takes okay. 10 good years because, you know, that's what everybody, that's the number that a lot of headliners have said to me yeah. because, you know, the first two, three years, you're, you're figuring out how to operate on stage. And then, uh, then uh, three to five, uh, you're learning how to, you know, find your voice. And now that's, that's the, that's the tough part. The voice, yeah. who you are on stage is so important. I'm still because, searching. I'm yeah. Still searching. It I'm took like, me, what? it took me time. I, and I, and for me, I always say that I, it's like TV reception. I finally got the, the, uh, the, oh. the rabbit ears in the right spot. I'm starting to hear what I sound like. And, and I think I have it now, but it's like, but, but you, but because you're always growing, then you always discover something new, a new facet, a new app, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, because then once you have your voice, it's then you learning how to use it, how to project, portray it on stage, how to be yourself, not ask for permission on stage. When I mean permission, uh, you know, a lot of times people will do a joke and they'll look at the audience like, huh? I don't know. And it's like, you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> me, me. <laughs> no, no, not so much. I, I, when I saw you at Trunk and Head last time, uh, it, it was where we had the, um, the the per birthday girl yeah. yeah oh yeah you didn't ask for permission you, you went <laughs> i in. went straight in you yeah know? you went that, straight in yeah <laughs> pulling <a> donald trump <laughs> just oh <laughs> he's yeah. like he's like he's like okay he's like we're just gonna have to pull this episode <laughs> <laughs> i'm out <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh my god so anyways um but yeah, yeah. So like, once you get to ten years and you have material that that kills. When I mean kills, I mean like it's your every joke is old reliable. You could do your act forwards and backwards. You could do your last joke first and your first joke last, and do your act every other possible okay. way. Knowing knowing to a ninety five percent chance you're gonna get a laugh. Okay. When you get there, that's when uh, that's when you start thinking. Okay. This might be it. This might be it. And that's what me and my friends were like. You know, we weren't going to wait around. And uh, we decided just to do it. We pulled together a budget. Uh, my one buddy was in college at the time. So that's where we got a lot of expensive equipment, camera equipment. So we got, we rented out over 20 grand of expensive equipment for free because he was a film student. Dude. So this is a little tip right there. You want, you want good equipment. Hang out get, with film students, film dude. students, film students are great. Dude. Uh, and he was, he directed the, he directed the whole thing. It was, it was incredible. Harrison, he's my buddy. Um, I have him, Matt heavily to thank for that. Um, but yeah, so, so, so we filmed it and then we had to get in. It, like I said, we hired people, the camera crew. We had three, we had, uh, two cameras here, two cameras there, one all the way in the back. And then we have one that went through the audience. Somebody was just filming so you can get audience reactions. Um, and we, we were mic so I had a mic right here on me. So in case my mic died, it was still going to pick me up. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we had a stage, we put it all together and it, it, like I said, it was a, it was a perfect night. It was a perfect night. The hard part was done getting the good footage. That's the hardest part. 
Then it came to editing. And then we had to do a lot of like Skype stuff, which or Zoom now. Yeah. And it was very slow. So I had to be like, all right, I like this. I like that. Some jokes you remove because they're non sequiturs. They, they're just more room related rather than they are uh, special related. So how much time did you do and how much time is the special? Uh, I did it to uh, 45 minutes. Uh, and I cut it to 30. And the reason why I cut it to 30 was basically what Andrew Schultz said, something he said. When Andrew Schultz was getting rejected from other platforms at one point, he asked his friends, like, where do you watch comedy? Oh, I watch it online. Okay, how, how much do you watch the whole special? And they're like, no, no, I only have time for like maybe 20 minutes to a half hour. And then Andrew Schultz was like, ah. So that's why a lot of his things are not too long. Yeah. Because he's catering to a specific audience and scoring big with that. Yeah. So... So, like, some of the material that I didn't use, I'm just putting it on the next special with the newer material. Oh, hell and, yeah. And, I, and, and, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, hours are great. Hours are good. But I, I just found, I'm like, let me just, I'd rather people watch the whole thing than have somebody only watch a half hour because they didn't have time to watch the second half yeah. hour. Because, I mean, I don't know. I want, I want a certain, like, they watch the whole thing. I'm a little salty because <clears throat> I, uh, at first I didn't know that you had, like, video of it. Yeah. And so I got it on, like, Amazon. And then I went to go listen to it, and I, like, wasn't able to, like, fuck with my phone while I was listening to yeah. it. And so it didn't play it in order. It played it, oh. like, all over the place. Yeah, you, I, you, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to get, get you the special. I, want the, I have the special. You have it. I oh, have it. It just you. played in different, like, I have, like, the, the video. No, I don't have the video. I'll but. give you the video. Oh. I'll give you the video. I'll give you the video. <laughs> so you look at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys should definitely check out the special. Yeah. It's like even the audio version is fucking hilarious. Like Thank I was you. still laughing. Thank you. Big Kahuna. Big that, Kahuna. That's you, right? Yeah. Big Kahuna. Yeah. Big, big Kahuna. You're the big. <laughs> yeah. Truth that happened uh, when I was doing uh show Good Mess. That really did happen. I think I said con, like something like that. Like I slurred my word, and that's why it sounded like that to somebody. <laughs> I, I go, I was like, big, big, big. like, you know, I talk quickly. Sometimes a word mixes in with another word, and but yeah, that was a really fun night. That was a fun day. But so, anyway, so going back to what I was saying, um, so editing it, we edited it together, and then getting it to the platform was hard. It was not easy. Uh, because then we came down, we wanted to put it on Amazon, put the video on Amazon Prime as well. However, there was an issue with that because this was during a time where a lot of uh, uh, fake documentaries were coming out with fake information and all that stuff. Oh. Like you even saw when Borat, that movie came out, they also had a bunch of like debunking specials yeah. at the same time that came out. So what was happening was the the the, the system for people like me to, to put my stuff in. See, even though I'm not a document, it's mine's not a documentary. Yeah. It falls under that because it's a, it's like a live performance documentary. It's yeah. a mesh of commentary. Things. Commentary, yeah. So because they were getting overloaded with such fake material, they just shut they shut the Videos. the channel way. They shut it down. Wow. So any and here's the worst part. Anything that was in the pipe, ready to be looked at, even if it hasn't been looked at, they they were like wiped nope. it. They they, they said no to it, and you're not allowed to resubmit. So and and this is and this was happening to a lot of people. Like there was a lot of people in Hollywood and stuff like that. They were getting their stuff taken down from Amazon randomly, and Amazon's like, well, we and, the, and big Hollywood movies, not just small. Yeah. Big, and they're like, yeah, we can't have you on here anymore. And and Spotify recently did that with a lot of comedy albums. I'm not sure if you yeah, saw. Yeah yeah yeah. I've heard a lot about that, and yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. And, I know that Louis Black like came out and said something because he's still on there and he was saying something about like just pay people their money like, yeah 
You know what well, I mean? I mean, the Spotify guy, <coughs> I mean, look at it like this. This guy has more money than Paul McCartney, and he hasn't wrote a song ever in his life. Yeah, well, and, the, and, here's, <laughs> the, the, well, and like, here's the deal. It's like, how many actual artists are on Spotify? You know what I mean? Like a contract with Spotify. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's like, like, I feel like there's probably not that many. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, of people who actually have, like, a contract. When we actually look at the numbers, like, why aren't they getting paid? Like, you can give Joe Rogan, you know, $300 million, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that he's not worth $300 million, but what I'm also saying is that, you know, some other people might also be worth, you know, at least a million dollars, you know what I mean? Or something like that. And that, and, and yeah, and again, that goes into a whole debate on what, what people are worth and what people are paid. Exactly. And, and, it, and the thing is, I mean, comedy especially is always a risk because in the sense that comedy in the entertainment business is sometimes the pissing post. Like yeah. it's ridiculously hard to do stand up and do yeah. what we do, but everybody—it's the one thing where people go, "Yeah, I can do that. I can go on stage and tell jokes." Like you know what? No Dude. one ever watch like no one ever watches like an NFL play and go, "I could do that." Yeah, no I mean, one ever does. My friend, he was telling me that he's seen people do uh, karaoke and he's seen people do comedy, and he says that he would feel more comfortable singing a song. But he says that he thinks that he would feel better about doing comedy if he was going to like. I wrote your karaoke. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, a stand up. I wrote yeah, karaoke. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like karaoke. There's no like like it's expect. It's like expected to be bad. Expected. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like no one's going up. That, like that was one thing when I was in theater. I met this whole group of friends that was it was a whole totally new way of looking at karaoke because they yeah, yeah. went to karaoke to shit on people like it was like they went up they went up there to like actually sing and <laughs> do really well and i was like this is a little, little weird you know what i mean like, <laughs> like they're just they're just they're just it's like a bunch of they're like, like we like, were such losers growing up so now we're gonna prove that we're not losers by singing really good at a karaoke bar cash only <laughs> It's like an NFL player showing up to a Pee Wee football game yeah, dude. and sending them all to the hospital. Yeah, dude. Like, I own you! Yeah, dude. Yeah, I own you! <laughs> I'm going to go bang your mother now. She's single. Yeah, dude. Goes off. Dude, sends, the, sends the clip of him. Yeah! Dude, yeah, man. It's it's <laughs> it's insane, man, how crazy they were. Fucking, yeah. And it is nuts how I, I try to talk people to go on stage often. Like, the ones that I think are funny. Yeah. Like, I'm always like, dude, you need to go on stage. Like, it, and it's like, even if you go up once and you don't like it, then you just don't do it again. You don't like just, it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, uh, but yeah, I always have those people where you're just like, especially patrons. <laughs> I love when the patrons are like, they're like, they'll you'll get off the stage and they immediately are like i'm a comedian now too i'm gonna tell you every joke that i've ever heard online that you've probably also heard too but i'm just gonna still say them and then they did then they, they always start with look i'm not racist but dude <laughs> dude like all of a sudden i love it comedians the audience just like shows their the race like the, i just one member I, I did a show out in the country i'm gonna tell you all members. this is i had this one audience member i was in the country and like he just dropped the most racist joke joke on my lap and he was like that's for you dude <laughs> like i'm like what the hell like it's so weird like we were doing a show uh <laughs> becky had us over and uh at the quarry and yeah. fucking tony was up tony b cruz and he was doing you know his uh, some mexican jokes and then the guy who went yeah. up after oh, him no. he was one of the patrons and second time doing stand-up comedy and the funniest the first time he ever went on stage this is how he introduced himself oh, no. he was like 
he was like, he said, ladies, gentlemen. And I was like, nice. Oh the my second God. time he goes up after Tony and he goes, man, it's really nice that he, he's a Mexican so he can do all that race material. I could never do that. And then proceeds to then do race <laughs> material for the entire set. Dude, it was amazing. And it's like, it's almost really funny to me because I feel like there is different styles of comedy yeah and that right there like even though he's not meaning to do it you know what i mean it is hilarious yeah yeah it's fucking hilarious because it's like this guy is trying and it's like and when you first when i first started dude i had no idea what the fuck i was doing yeah i was no one does no one does i was like going up uh, talking about fucking shredded cheese and i was like (laughs) I have no relationship to shredded cheese. I love shredded cheese, but like, I, what? What was happening with me back then? That's so crazy. You you find something you, you want to talk about to go on stage, and whatever it is you want to talk about, that's how you cope with the harsh experiences of that yeah. first year. I mean, I I was talking about stuff I cringe at nowadays. Yeah. Cringe. I had a joke about how like the Sandman, like he put sand in people's eyes. I'm like. How do you guys feel that somebody's just pocket sanding your kid? <laughs> like, you're tired? Pocket sand. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it's like, it's a dumb joke. It's so stupid. But it's like, as like, you know, I'll, I'll eat it on stage. But I'm like, at least I'm talking about what I want. Dude. At least I want, you know, and then eventually you learn, okay, I need to be funny on stage. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you grow from there. Which is crazy because it's like, typically what I hear is that like, what people try to do is like, they try to be funny. And then they try to like find their voice with yeah. that. And like, I was not funny at all. When yeah. I first started, I was just like, I totally missed that part. And I was like doing shit that was weird. No, 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 no. You're doing it right. Huh? You're, you're actually doing it right. Oh, you can't do both at the same time. It's okay. way too hard. Okay. You just learn. How, Cause what will happen is you'll, you'll be telling jokes and then this is what my friend told me. And this happened to me. And I remember the epiphany moment where it clicked. Okay. And for me, it clicked uh, in 2017 in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. That's how, that's how well I remember it. Whoa. It okay. clicked. It just clicked. Because what happens is your voice is the thing in the back of your head that goes, you should say this. You should totally say this. And party's like, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should. And whatever that is, that's the voice. <laughs> oh, no. And, and, oh, and, and, no. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Caution. Caution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caution. Real quickly. <laughs> Caution. If you're a person who's crazy, who has multiple voices in your head like me, you got to know which one's your comedy voice and then which one's the one that's going to get you canceled for yeah, saying a really awful joke. But no, it's like, but it's like, it's the thing that, okay, so let me give you an example. I would, I got cheated on so badly. This one girl, uh, let me give you an idea how bad it was. Before I got married, this girl was systematic. She was a smooth operator. She knew how much time I was on stage, right? Whoa. And what I mean by that is in the amount of time I'm on stage, the guy would be in the in that building. And they would go off and she she knew how much she if I was doing 30 minutes, guess what? It was 30 minutes of cheating. Whoa. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess spot was head. But <laughs> like I had to think about it after a while. Like you know, a hand job maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do a tight five and she's thinking like Type yep, five. Yeah, type five. <laughs> type five. Let's try this. Damn, son. Yeah. But yeah. And I was so embarrassed to talk about that. I never wanted anybody to know that happened. So on my album, the, the, the five guys joke, that, that's the X I'm talking about. 
Wow. I'm talking about her. You know what I mean? And when I started talking about those, that, those painful moments in my life, that's where it was clicking. That's when it was still like, my, I, I feel like I'm a hot mess. I feel like I don't got my life together. I feel like I'm, I'm constantly losing. And I owned it. I just like, that's it. That's what it is. I'm always losing. I'm, I took over it. And I, and I made that pain uh, hilarious. You know, because you got to make it hilarious. You can't be like, yeah. go on stage like, all right, so here's what happens. <laughs> I get... I, yeah. I often do get awes sometimes. So that's like one of the, the things that I'm trying to do is trying to like to uh, take the sharpness out of the like the yeah. dark, you know, the darker jokes or like my pain, you know, trauma or whatever you want to call it. Like just like pass. You're just like sometimes I'll say a joke and then be like, oh, like, no, don't do there's, that. There's, don't, there's, there's a trick don't. to that. There's a trick to that because okay. you got to look there. So there's two tricks I know. Mike Birbiglia does one of them. Okay. Where if he gets an awe, he looks in the audience and he goes, I know I'm in the future also. And that's a laugh. <laughs> to, and it's a funny joke. It breaks that tension. So he uses that awe to set up something else. Okay. Okay. So that's one thing. Another thing is I had a joke that was exactly like that. Um, and, uh, what it was was uh, I, would, I I made a joke about my father's drinking and and obviously that's like yeah, dude, very it, mine was also a father joke yeah. but what I did was I celebrated it and people can realize that me celebrating it is wrong but that's the humor of it rather than me demonizing it so it's the same joke but it's done in a different tone so like because the bit because one of the bits I have now is uh, and I'm still working on it. again. This is, I'm talking about like how interesting my my father. Um, I, I give him the win instead of demonize him. Like he was a smart man, a smart man entirely. Like he would drive drunk, but he was the king of it. He drove with a student driver sticker, so nobody pulled him over, dude, <laughs> just to throw the cops off. He would walk out there and start putting up cones that, in the draw in the parking lot. I'm like, he's brilliant. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's crazy though, because now that I like think about it, it's like some of the uh, best jokes about people's parents or <clears throat> someone who had like a crazy like addiction or something like that. Like, I feel like the best jokes that I've heard about those people are the ones that like uh, celebrate it, like yeah. you were just saying, which is actually interesting yeah. now to like really look back and think that like what about what bleh, about what you're saying yeah. so how long have you been doing comedy for uh i've been doing it since uh so i have two start times Hell yeah. I, I always say 2011 was my true start time so now i'm on my 10th year okay technically or wait well going going into my 11th year so yeah uh but reality uh because I was under 18, I couldn't perform everywhere I wanted to because, you know, bars had rules and stuff like that. And, and even though you're not going to drink, they didn't trust you. So I actually have been doing comedy since I was 15. Oh, shoot. Yes. And how many sets did you have? Uh, I, like... would only, I would only be able to do like maybe 10 a year because what place is A going to put up a 15-year-old kid and B, uh, you know, they, they're worried about their liquor license. If I start drinking, they're going to get fined yeah. or something like that. They don't want to worry about that. So it was tough. But I had to I had to find places that would have me and I had to do cleaner sets when I started out because, you know, if I did a coffee house, I can, you know, do a clean yeah. set there. So that's so I've been at Were it you funny? What uh like I'd say I wasn't funny until Okay, so of the <laughs> chuckle rip uh, from two thousand so from two thousand let's say from when I was fifteen to when I was twenty two, I would get really good shows 
or really bad shows. Because I always believe when you start out in comedy, it's like a 50-50. And then you, I just, would agree you, with that. you just keep you keep balancing out. So maybe so you bomb twice and then your your good percentage goes down, but your bad percentage goes up and up and up and up and up and up because you're starting out. But as you you keep going, you start doing good. And then you drive this bad percentage down. As I was mentioning, when you can kill about 95% with all your jokes, no matter what, yeah. that's when you're right. So that's what I was talking about, that 95. You know what I mean? Because, like, uh, my buddy, uh, the Scrum Clown, who I, he's in a, Johnny Lee Dam and the Scrum Clown are two people I owe my comedy career to. I owe them yeah. everything. And uh, every piece of wisdom, I feel like I'm just quoting them half the time. Dang. So this is all them, really. But the clown said to me, he said, he, he, when he worked with Sam Kiss and you're only as good as you are since you last bombed. How long can you go without bombing? So in that time frame, you know, I, it was maybe every 10 sets I would have a big bomb. But now I might have, you know, 50 shows before I bomb or 70 shows before I bomb. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and the bombing isn't that bad. It's just bombing more like, oh, they don't hate me. It was just I didn't feel like I had it. Okay. So it's, so it's, it's actually it's a good question because I, I, that was actually going to be my next segue is that. <clears throat> so to you, what is a bomb? So uh, so a bomb. So dying, completely dying. Everything is bad. The world comes down on you. The audience hates you. They are booing you. They yeah. are not laughing. You're hearing, hearing yeah. silverware. You know, you're hearing people paying the bill. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is he? The what? fucking cash register open. When they wanted to pay the bill, that's when you fucked up. <laughs> they want to pay that bill. Um, that's like the worst type of bombing. Uh, after up one up is where it's hit and miss the entire time with them. Like you'll you'll win them over, you'll lose them. You'll win them back over, you'll lose them. And then, then the then there's that mental bombing where you did good, but you personally didn't like what you did. Okay. You personally were like, they if they knew what your caliber was, they would have hated you. But they did because a lot yeah. of people don't know what is sometimes what is good and what is bad. So that's so I think there's for me at least I've always found there's three levels of bombing. Okay. Yeah, cuz I talk I talked to a bunch of people and they all have like their own different uh like views of bombing and and I'm always just like very curious because like there are times where like I felt like I did pretty good, but then I like listen back to the set and I'm like, "Wow, there wasn't like a lot of laughs." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like did I actually do that good? Like, yeah. is it hiding laugh? You know, is the micro or is the speaker hiding laughter? Am I? And that's and that's something. That's one of the things when you go into a room. You have to once you perform a lot and you know each room has a personality. Or when you're listening to the host, I always tell people the host is more important than the headliner. Yeah, hands down. There's no debate on this. They're they're way more important. The reason why they're way more important. Because I've seen shows go good to shit if the if the host can't bring it. Because the host, you are the host is the it's that weird moment where there was no comedy and all of a sudden there is comedy. You need to warm up the audience. You got to get them wanting to have fun. You got to get them liking you. This and that. Get your jokes in there. You don't have to be the funniest person in the room. You just got to get the jokes going yeah. so that you give it off to the feature. The feature has a blast, and then the headliner they have a blast. You know what I mean? I mean the headliner is going to kill no matter what. Because yeah. they, they're, they're coming for the headline. But it's based upon the mood of the crowd. Yeah. But if you set up a weird mood, you're going to make it difficult for the headline. I've had to 
see headliners dig a hole, dig the show out of a hole so everybody can feel good about laughing again. Wow. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I've seen a, a show where the headliner set had to stop suddenly because a fight broke out. <laughs> the show came to an abrupt end. So funny story, okay? So uh, and I wasn't there when the fight happened. I was in the next room over, but I heard the fight begin. Oh, no. I heard it, okay? So what happened was... Uh, I guess this guy has been talking throughout the whole show and blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he was out of control, but, you know. And what happened was the headliner was doing material, but the it wasn't to what that guy liked. And he gets up and was like, you ready to go, motherfucker? And then no, all of a sudden, no. the next table over, the woman who, who runs the place... And then oh, her boyfriend. Oh, okay? oh, the boyfriend gets up and the and the heckler's like, the fuck you gonna do? And I hear he uppercuts him, goes to the ground, starts kicking him under the table, kicking him, and you can hear the woman manager going, woman manager, yep, there he goes. I'm canceled <laughs> out. All right, there you go. All right. <laughs> we don't believe A in woman manager, all right? Yeah. Listen, my wife is in charge of me, all right? She'll she'll heckle me, she'll cancel me. Like, <laughs> cancel him. Uh no, so she literally screams, No, Jason, not where I work! Yeah. <laughs> I was the funniest thing I ever heard. No, Jason, no! Oh, God, not David. where I work! And he's kicking him under, he's kicking the heckler under the table. Damn. But shit like that. So the room was already unsettled to begin with, and it got where, where And I will tell you a funny story. Are you ready for it? Uh oh. I was the guy who unsettled everything. <laughs> oh shit! How did you do it? I okay. So I was on when I was first up. Uh, I, I didn't know how to use spotlights in a sense. Like spotlights, you're never supposed to do this. But I was so blinded that I couldn't see the audience. But the bar next to us was so loud. I was hearing them. I wasn't hearing laughter. So I couldn't tell where the laughter was coming from, if there was laughter. So it was, I was like, I felt like I was dazed and confused. Like I was in a get mo bay. Like okay. I, so I, and that's my fault for not knowing certain aspects of the room. Cause, and this is why I always talk about know your room, know what it is. Pay attention to the host. See, I didn't pay attention to the host that was featuring. I didn't pay attention to the host. So I did not see the things I needed to see. Yeah. And then I, un I, I, I opened the floor up to talking when I was on stage and then that's what made the headliners job difficult. Dang. So, uh, people disagree with me on that, but I think that's what happened truly. But, but that's why, and here's the thing. There's a difference between being a middle and a feature that people need to understand. Do you know what the difference between a middle and a feature is? Uh, no. A feature. So a middle means there's someone in front of you. A feature means you're doing 30 minutes, but you could be going first and on the road. That's how it is. Sometimes they send out two comics to a venue. And, and so just because you're like, I'm featuring now. Yeah. You're hosting a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to open the show and get everybody and then get into your set. So dirty minutes. So, yeah. a, so a middle is still a feature. So is a it middle still featuring that does 30 minutes, but he has a host that brings them up. Okay. So, so like, so a middle is a feature, but a feature is not a middle. So it's like exactly. a square rectangle. That, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you might be, you might be a feature on the road, but you might be still going first. Okay. And if you never took the time to learn how to host, you're going to hurt everything. See, and, that, and that's what, and that's the situation I was in. Yeah, dude. I always, I always, and you just, you know, the host of that show 
was somebody who was just opening the show. It yeah. was my responsibility to do the rest, and I didn't. And I was young in my career, and I made that mistake. Uh, how early did you start getting shows? Uh, I, I was starting getting shows. Well, okay, so it took a while. Okay. So my first year of really doing comedy from starting in 2011, uh, you know, I was getting used a lot for free work. And, Whoa. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. So I started my own rooms. I, I, had a, I, I did a paid comedy show. So what I did was, and this, and this is good for anybody to do. Okay. All right. Uh, I would do, um, I would ask for a venue and, I, and I, I worked a little cheap on myself on this. So, or sometimes I would ask for 150 to $200 for a budget for a show. Now, real quick, everybody that is under scale, that is under scale, but I was doing it in town. Usually a show is a $600 deal. Okay. But I was doing this because here's what I did. Uh, I was, uh, I would, um, give 50 to someone to close out and do 30. I would give 25 to, uh, uh, someone to do 15. And then I would host it. And if I had money for myself, I did. If it was a 150 show, I would not get out anything. But it was fine. Um, and then I would have five open mic spots. Now, the five open mic spots I did very specifically and very differently than how a lot of people do in this area. Uh, the week before, I put out the event page for that show. And people will have to message me. First five, get spots. Whoa. That's... Book them. Make them feel like they're, they're booked. And if they didn't show up, guess what? I didn't talk to them after that. Because that here's the thing. If you don't take every stage that you do is important, no matter what. I don't care if you're at an open mic, you're at a comedy club, you're at a casino, you're at a concert. Every stage is important because people came to see the show. And if you treat them with disrespect because you're not at a concert show, you're at an open mic, then you miss the point of comedy in that sense. All right. If people are at an open mic and they're ready to have a good time, you perform to them like you're performing at the Funny Bone and nothing less than that. Um, but anyway, so I, so why I started doing so I started doing those shows, and what I did was I, I would uh, get headliners that were going in the middle of towns. So, yeah, you know I mean like, hey, I know you're traveling through. There's a quick spot. Do you want to do it? You know, and, and eventually I got a bigger budget. I would try to offer scales. A lot of headliner scales two fifty, and feature scale is one hundred twenty five. So I started trying to get higher scales. When I did that, I started getting these comics to come in that were usually headliners. And why oh, that's wow. good is because if they can see that you can host in front of them, they might say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be in the town over tomorrow. Want to do? Want to open up the show? Dang. Sure. And that's how you make contacts. That's Who you- is the biggest comic that you got? The, uh, the biggest comic I ever got uh, was, for me, my, one of my mentors, Johnny Lee Dam, okay. and, uh, and also Kenny Miller. You know, those guys do carnival cruises. They, they've been on Fox Sports. They've been on uh, HBO. They've been on everything. Damn. Yeah. And they're good friends of mine. Um, and I owe them. But, and, and here's the thing. Because I was doing shows like that, the comedy club owner in the area came to one of my shows. And after doing a hosting set, because I hosted properly, he, had, he asked if I could open up for Tony Hinchcliffe uh, at the club. Did you? Yep. I did. Dude. Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. And that was my first club gig. Yeah, you know I mean, and so how how deep into that were you, comedy? Uh, right there, uh, let's see. That was 2004, so I was three years in. Three years in. Yep, three years in. Damn. And 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 I would say too because I was finally doing stuff on my own and just saying I'm not going to wait for anybody to give me an opportunity. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to go make it right now. Just do it. And and that's what you need to do. You just got to do it. You can't because. Uh, 
that's the, it, it's tough because you know everybody wants to have that phone ring and they're like, hey, where are you going to be? That you'll it, get to that point. Yeah, you'll get to that point. You, but you have to do, and this is actually that's that's actually a good thing to say because like I know a lot of people like you know someone like my brother or something like that, just like people and that who just wait for yeah. opportunities. It's like, dude, if you're not like if you're trying to do rap or if you're trying to do fucking music or comedy or <clears throat> art. If you're not producing anything, like no one's gonna know who you are. Exactly. And if you're not like getting your name out there, like you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's another thing. I also get a lot of people asking me, "Hey, how do I get?" You know, because I work at the Funny Bone. And they're like, "How do I get on the Funny Bone stage?" And it's like, "Why are you asking me?" Yeah. It's like that. It's like it. It almost makes me angry because it's like I work there. It's not like I'm the boss <laughs> of the fucking Funny Bone. It's like, like I was like. If I could get you on the stage, why would I head. not put myself on the stage? You know what I mean? Like, why would I? What? That doesn't make any sense. That motherfucking Eddie. Dude. Fuck, fuck me again. Dude, I know, right? It's yeah. just it's just very funny to me. <laughs> uh, and I get it mostly from, like the, like, the super new comics. Like, there are a few comics who, you know, are doing what we're saying where they're just not, like, they're not making their opportunities. They're not going out. They're not networking it's like yeah you can go like and here's my issue because i right now i'm still like i feel like i'm like if there's like levels of like growing in comedy i'm still in like level one so i haven't I really disagree okay well I disagree with that okay so well at least in terms of i'm not leaving the city okay. or i haven't left the city a whole lot to go and start like hitting up different mics and everything but, but, but here's the thing you are you're you're creating material you're in the yeah. you're in the garnering stage okay. i mean I, the, the levels thing i mean I, I get what you're saying but I, I sometimes i get scared of hearing that stuff about levels because it makes i don't ever want people to think it's because you're lower or higher than a comic you're at you're yeah. at a different stage of your comedy career you're you're creating material so that when you do you are ready you will go on the road and you will kill you're not going to go out there do 15 minutes of bullshit material and then come back and tell people you killed you're going to go out there and kill get paid come back and then do it again next yeah. week that's what you're on the right path of doing you're doing everything correctly i oh. just want to make sure I thank just, you i just did want I, to i love jesse he's always super helpful giving advice he's always super wise yeah. i felt like this is this so far this has been like fucking crazy like if you're like a comic who you know is newer or something like that this this would be a perfect like opportunity to get a bunch of advice you know yeah. from you because like I, and the thing is i'm always open for advice and i'm still learning i'm still yeah. figuring things yeah. out i mean I, you said you're only 11 years in yeah uh, you know depending I'm a on baby you still yeah compared to the people i work with yeah i mean i'm always i'm always all people have to do is ask for example you messaged me Hey, would you like to do the podcast? Yes, I would like to do the podcast. Dude, yeah. That's it. That's all that happened. There was no fancy, like, yeah. all right, we got my people talk to your people. Like, <laughs> you just have to ask. You just have to ask. And that, like, and, and go, when I was, when I, when I got, when I got started performing at that comedy club, I asked to do more. Hey, on one of the off nights, can I do a, a show? Yes, you can. Dude. Give us a proposal and we'll look over it. And that started happening. And then I would uh, do a Thursday show, and then I and then if I was also uh, hosting at the time, I would host the Friday and Saturday show with it. And I got to work with a lot of cool people. Uh, and then eventually moved up to featuring. And then I got to work with like people like Kevin Farley. Uh, let's see who else I worked with. A couple uh, Brooke Whalen, so uh, he's from SNL. Uh, wow. I'm trying to think of some other people. Um, I'm like blowing all the people. I, I, April Macy, I got to work with. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of cool people. I'm blowing a bunch of names right now. No, I know no, you're good. I, there's other there's other people, but yeah, I got to work with all of them, and it's just because. Oh, the guy from Seinfeld. Uh, what's his name? Steve uh, Steve Heitner. Oh, you know, the okay. guy who plays. Uh, it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. That yeah, guy. I got to work with him. I drove about a few hours with him in the car. Sweetest dude in the world, dude. That's so amazing. Sweetest dude in the world, you know. So, would you consider yourself a full-time comic, or do you have like a job as well? I, I still have a job on the side right okay. now because I mean, with healthcare and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 of course. Because here's the thing: I, I don't go on the road during the middle of the week, so I do something in the middle of the week, and then on the weekends I go out and do my thing. And Is I come it full time or part time? Uh, when I go out, or just your job? My job is full time. Oh, okay, sweet. it's full time. Yeah, but I could do. Damn, son, you. Damn, you do all that and still work a full-time job? Yes. That's so crazy. Because, like, right now, like, <laughs> I am realizing, like, I'm just doing a podcast, open mics, and work. And yeah. I'm just like, dude, this is so difficult. You have to make time and you have to schedule rigidly. It's, yeah. And sometimes you're going to hate your own schedule, but you made it. Yeah. You got it, 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 Because you have this realization that what you want to do, if you want to do it, it's a job. Just like how you dude. have to show up at your job and you may not want to do it some days. Sometimes in comedy, you may not want to do it that day. I know. Like, I, like for example, I got, I do a, re, a radio segment for the Epic Radio Show, which they're on hiatus right now, but they, they're on iHeart and all that stuff. And every Saturday morning, I got to make sure I put out uh, my segment for them. And um, there's some days I'm like filming. I'm like, oh my God, this is trash. I hate what I'm doing. It's, it's garbage. I'm turning in garbage. And, and, but, but I'm not the only one that feels like that. Uh, how familiar are you with the uh, South Park and how they write their episodes? I'm very familiar. They do yeah. in a week. Every episode is the week of. Yeah. And if you watch the one uh, special, which I highly t- six days to air, watch that. Watch that. It's they so put, good. They put themselves in a tight bubble because it, it's do or die. They need yeah. to do this. And it's miserable, but they do yeah. it because they love it. And the episode they're talking about the entire time, they're like, oh, this is shit. This is the worst episode. This is awful. And it's the human uh, sentipad yeah. episode, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's such a good episode. And it's like, that was the episode they were talking shit about. You want to fuck me, guys? You fuck me, guys? Fuck me right here. <laughs> and he just gets fucking zapped. Yeah, but 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 that's the thing. They just, they have to go. They got to do it. Yeah. So like, for example, like, so, okay. So I got to work. Great. I got to do this. I can do my job. Then during my lunch break, I might create content for my website, for my uh, YouTube channel or whatever it might be. I might write jokes and stuff like that. Then I go back. Do you have a website guy or you do it yourself? I I make my own website. You know HTML? Uh, No, it's just Wix. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was about to be like, damn, son. Oh, Jesse, you just went down a notch in all of our books. Yeah, but I go, I do Wix. Uh, you know, it, it's good. It, it, you like it? Yo, I love Wix. I love Wix. I, they, I, I got, I, it's how I, because uh, uh, I sell my comedy special on there, and I do it uh, all kinds of different ways. So one way I do it is, well, you purchase it right outright on the website. Number two, um, depending on certain websites. Uh, so I, there's an app I'm a part of called Slasher. It's a horror movie app. Okay. I love horror movies. If anybody's ever noticed that about me, uh, on there, there's a specific link to a specific hidden part of my website that sells people the special for a different price because I'm because oh. I'm, I'm cool with the slasher. And then that's dope. And then I have business cards that I sell that have the code on it. Takes them to a different link hidden in my website. So if they pay me five dollars, I give them the card and they have the whole special to themselves. Oh shit! Okay. So Hell yeah. yeah. So it's really good. It's it's trying to find out. How because like some people do CD baby, which is great, do that. But for me, I was like, how can I cut out the middleman? 
how could I? Because you look at all these comics that do start you make just, more money off of your website <clears throat> than you make off of like Amazon. Um, I make more money in person. Uh, second's Amazon, really? third is website. Yes, and, and the reason why is because of how I market it. So the material I'm doing on stage right now is not is not on my album. Hell yeah! So I'm like, if you liked me tonight, I got a, I got a whole other half hour you haven't heard. I've heard a lot of uh, comedians talk about like a like a post special uh, depression. Did you go through something like that where like you had to like now I have to like make all this other material and I went briefly through it. Okay, what I did to combat it was I was like, what haven't I done? What haven't I done? What, what? So I was like, all right, um, I want to make a bunch of horror movie shorts. I love horror movies. Oh shit. Horror movies are uh, the reason why I like horror is So you just switched up your yeah. passion for a moment. You're yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to do this for a minute. And, and the reason why I did that is cuz horror and comedy are very 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 they're they're, Similar. they're yeah. They're the same it's the same coin just two different sides. We had we literally had uh, Eric Basso yeah. on here and he's a filmmaker and he talks he was talking about that the yeah. entire time is like horror is like the, you know, is yeah. essentially comedy. <laughs> yeah. There's a setup there's a setup, whether it's the creepy building that's really scary or your crazy aunt that's coming over for the holidays, right? They both go down that line, right? And all of a sudden, the creepy house is filled with clown orgies and your creepy aunt wants to kill you. Yeah. You know, it's like, so like the, the thing that you thought was going to be funny was scary. And then the thing that wasn't scary turns out to be funny. You know, it's like it, it, there's a setup and then there's a, a payoff. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's all comedy is and that's all horror is. Now, so, is there a place that people can watch these? Or do you, uh, were you just these, doing them for yourself? These ones I will release probably around Halloween. Okay, okay. I wanted to I, – I filmed it once, and then I filmed it again because I wanted to get – because filming horror is really different because yeah. it's, it's heavily about angles, heavily about stuff that, that obscures things. Like, yeah. like for example, um, John Carpenter's Halloween is a, fanta- is a masterpiece in my opinion. I love that movie. Uh, that movie, when it went to the test audience, it got a meh. When he put in the score for the music, with the music, the ba da boo ba da boom, all of a sudden everybody was way more freaked out. And the reason why is he's doing, he's playing something off key on purpose. He's causing you to feel like there's Unease, something wrong yeah, and unease. And by adding that mood and atmosphere, makes everything way more scarier. So, so it's like, so even so, like I'm, I'm learning about that stuff, and and. I want to, and right now I'm actually in the process of writing a full a feature length with uh, my buddy John Jacobs. He's my uh, co-host on that, the Grown Ups Table. We're working on something John, right wait, now. Wait, John Jacobs, uh, did I just see you post a picture with him recently? I post a bunch of pictures with him um, all the time for the I, for our podcast. Um, he's, he got like a beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I know him, but I think I might know people who know him. You do. You do know people like who know other him. than like you. So yeah. it's yeah, because I was gonna say because I feel like when I did, <clears throat> when I did my comedy thing for some odd reason I remember or not my comedy thing my uh, horror film thing uh, when I first came to Columbus I did like a horror film uh, short. He might have been a part of it. Yeah, uh, or at least he was a part or he was friends with the people that I was yeah. working with because I just re- for some odd reason I remember that he, name. He's released a couple horror movies already, okay. so that's why that's how I kind of got into it. He gave me like, all right, let me show you this because I already loved horror movies, but I never knew how to make or how to do it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, uh, so that was something I did to combat the post, uh, depression, but also I was excited about doing something new because 
the material that I, that's on the album is great, but it's not. It's no longer me anymore. I've grown out of it. Okay. It's. I'm in a new chapter. How long of my were life. you working on that material for? That material was ten years. Hell yeah. Which is a lot. A lot of stand-ups. Their first special is their first ten years of material. It's really weird. So like, I'm, I guess another question I'm going to ask you because uh, so you've been doing this material for ten years. Obviously, you have more than just that material. Yes. So, um, like. Do you have like I guess different uh, bins in your mind for like, all right, this is like material material that like I want to put on a special, and then this is just like, you know, material that's like either city based or like, oh, like you know okay. what I mean? Like, is there like a? There is. You know what I mean? There is. Uh, but the so I I I I put it more for, can it stand the sands of time, or is it or can it expire i think of it like that because in that expire bin i can think of location how long will i be in that location for the, those jokes to work until when i go to another city it doesn't work because okay. that city's not the same number one number two uh you know your pop culture celebrity news politics all that stuff like yeah. those jokes like they have, like not not heavy politics but like you know just kind of make goofy references yeah yeah um those jokes are gonna last a lot of people focus a lot of their time on writing those jokes and i tell people Avoid that a little bit. It's good to have them because if you're hosting, you're kind of talking about something that's on everybody's mind. It's a great way to break the break the attention and get everybody laughing. Yeah, you know I mean, get talk about something, make everything about the audience. But it's that evergreen material I'm more interested in. Okay, because I want to be able to, like I said, do it forwards, do it backwards, start in the middle, go to the end, and then start at the beginning and go to the middle. I want to be able to do that material anywhere, and it works. Yeah, you know, Rodney Dangerfield's a great example. Dude, so okay? good. So good. Who in this world has felt like they don't get respect? Everybody. Brilliant premise. You could drop him anywhere in the world. And that premise of I get no respect will kill it's everyone. shared by everybody. Yeah. So it's like, so that's what I want. I want to create material like that. You know I mean, that, that, that can uh, bridge across. Now, there's certain jokes that need more tinkering. Yeah. What I mean by that is like I have a joke I did on the album that was about Tinder, right? There's two specific ways I do that joke. There's one where if it's people our age, I'll just do the joke as is. If it's uh, people that are in their 50s, number one, they're 50. They don't give a shit about Tinder. Not a fucking shit about it. No fiddlers, fucks, nothing. However, what if you made them care? Could it be funny? Then yes. Here's how. So one of the things I do is I talk about... Um, I have a, a thing I do in those certain places. Okay, now going to that bin that of certain things that only work at certain places. I do. A, I'm a millennial, and I apologize for my generation. Yes, yes, yeah, you should apologize. Yeah, yeah, you guys are better than us. Oh yeah, you guys, you got, you are, we are better than you. You got everything right. You do romance way better than us. Yeah, we do. You guys love songs and everything. And then I understand. What do we do? We do Tinder. Yeah, that's the problem with your your generation. Interesting. And now they're on board. Now they want to hear talk about, about Tinder because now we I am talking from a inferior superior angle. So everything I'm saying now they're feeding it because yeah I am better than you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like interesting. So and that's the trick. That's the that's the sometimes. So like last night I did a clean version of my comedy album last night. Oh wow! There's a clean version, and because the the one advice I got from the uh, my buddy the clown. 
which, which, by the way, if you ever see Johnny Lee Damage or Scrumble Cloud anywhere, go see them live. They're amazing. Uh, the Scrumble Cloud, he, he does like a clown, but he does random, just regular stand-up like you and me, and it's amazing. But he said that you can take a clean joke and make it dirty, but you can't take a dirty joke and make it clean. Okay. Yeah. You know? So it's like try to it's like and again if you're gonna be a dirty comic be the best damn dirty comic you can be be the one that break that that, that you know pull pulls out all the stops and no one else is like you you know but at the same time be weary of that I feel like <clears throat> with dirty comics and clean comics I feel like at least in my opinion if you're gonna be one or the other you have to be like extra good you know what I mean because exactly. it's like in order for a clean joke. To like make me laugh, it needs to be like extra tight. You know yeah. what I mean? But oh, like, yeah. but like, you know, dirty jokes, you can kind of get away with it being a little bit more sloppy, you know, because it's just like, oh, they're talking about, you know, I, disgusting I, shit or whatever. But. I actually, I, I sometimes I don't feel always that way. Okay. And, they're, and, they're re, and I'm, I'm respectful. No, yeah, 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 yeah. The reason why I feel like that is because if you're doing a joke that I feel like anybody can do, okay, then what, what's the creativity here? What, what did you, what did you do? Yeah, that that Joe Schmo in this bar couldn't do. Yeah, you, yeah, it's too but, expected or whatever. Yeah, like uh, yeah, it's like the, one of the dirtiest jokes I ever heard, and this is a funny dirty joke because okay. it, it was so clever. I love it, and this one I felt he is. Um, trying to think, I can't remember who the comic is now. Now I'm now I'm all afraid. Like I think, oh, he yeah. got, now I think he got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> can't do his joke but, no, he can't do his joke. but it was a good example i'm gonna do the joke all right okay. he's canceled i don't say he, he should not have done what he did he's a piece of shit yeah but but for the example's sake all right all right, all right? for the example's sake this is what he did he said so i was watching this pornography where uh this guy was eating cereal out of this girl's pussy right and he's and we're watching him make the cereal and uh he pours uh uh, milk in there, then he put cereal in there, and I was just looking in disgust because I'm like, who pours the milk first? <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like that—that that was his joke. Again, not my joke. That's his joke. But it's like, but you see the example. Yeah. It's like there was like that—that that, that was it, oh, he's just start talking about something dirty, but then he like it's still like he like there's a it. truth to it. Yeah. There's a truth. To it. Nobody does it that way. And if you see someone do that, you think they're fucking You're sick. Nuts. You're out of your mind. You know? So that, that that's what it is. It's like if you could do something that does something that hasn't been done, you know, like Chappelle does that. Uh, or uh, trying to think, uh, trying to think of something. Like any comedians that do that. And again, I'm not, like I said, it, it, they push the envelope. Whether yeah. you agree with them or not, they do something different that pushes the envelope in a weird way. You know, you like I said, and I always tell people, comedy is three things. It's timing, intent, and... Um, uh, oh, God, what was the other thing? Um, and knowing who the target is. Yeah, I mean, because every joke has a target, has a victim, yeah. all right? Then the second thing is, what's the intent? Are you trying to make people laugh, or are you just trying to hurt people and torpedo them? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then number three is timing. You know, what's the timing? Is this a good time to do a joke? Is it a bad time to do a joke? You know, my, it, it, it's all these three things that you need to worry about. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, for me, like Rob Williams, I think he's, he is, in my opinion, one of the goats of comedy. In my yeah. Opinion. Because when he, yeah, he does dirty jokes, but he does them in a way like no one else has done them. You know, in no other way. Uh, and I love it. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. 
So uh, I guess the last thing that I'll ask you about, um, you do a lot of improv. Yes. Uh, how has that always been a part of your comedy thing, or is that like a newer thing that you've been doing? It's always been a part of it. Uh, and Bill Hicks once said, you know, when you go on stage, be funny, and then when you can't be funny, do your material. So you know, so I was like, when I go on stage, I'll, uh, warm, I'll, I'll, I'll even to this day when I'm featuring or if I'm headlining, I'll warm up. I'll, have fun with the audience before I jump in my material. I'll talk about something that's going on. I'll have a couple jokes about them specifically because I got there early in the show and I watched them the whole entire time and I, was, and I have fun with them. And in those moments, it's it's improv. And I would tell comics, do not scoff improv. I know some comics are like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we, can't, we can't do improv. No, don't. Dude. You bring those two worlds together, you are unstoppable. Somebody who I think is like so good at improv is Becky Solin. Yeah. Oh, she's Dude. great. She's amazing. Oh my god! Like every she's time amazing. she invites us to the quarry, we'll sometimes do like improv. And the, the one time that we did improv, I fucking sucked. Like people are coming up with like their lines or whatever, and like we were playing the uh, what was it the. Uh, we were playing I Like My. Yeah. So And so everyone was, like, going up, and they were, like, good ones. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, I had one the entire time, the, the entire time I was up there. And I was just like, dude, this is a whole different beast. Your brain's a muscle. Yeah. Your brain is a muscle that needs to know how to work that angle. When you do it so much, hey, Ron Williams described uh, uh, improv as having a giant shelf in your head. And pulling out the right lines and the right stops when the right time comes about. And being able to pull it in that very instance. That's what real true improv is to a certain extent. Dude, well, and that's actually crazy too. Because I didn't realize that that was like what crowd work was. I thought yes. crowd work was completely improvised all the time. But then you find out that it's like, typically it's like written material. They did it once. It worked really well. And then now they do it like every once in a while they, yeah. the opportunity arises. It's just like, dude. I have a happy birthday joke that I do. I do it every show, and everybody thinks it's on the spot, and it was for you specifically, and I do it for everybody. Dude. But, but because – and that's why, why I open with that kind of stuff because you get them on your side. You yeah. get the audience going, oh, my God, he noticed us. He paid attention to us. He I'm ready to go. And, you know, There was a town that I was in. There was a giant – there were trains because it was like a big part of the Midwest where all trains go through. Yep. Trains surround the town. At one point for 70 minutes, you can't leave the town because there's trains everywhere. Whoa. You know what I mean? And I talked about it. I made a dumb joke. Oh, my God. I feel like I li you guys live under a Christmas tree. Boom. The audience fell. Laughed. They loved it. You know, it's a simple joke. But, they, but you paid attention to them. Yeah. And they felt special. Now you can, do, you can go on. You can take them on the ride now. But it's like for some comics, I get right into material, like right into that material. It's almost like uh, skipping foreplay and going up the skirt. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, warm, up the, warm everything up first. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, ask for consent. Ask for consent. Yo, know, yes, <laughs> yes. Ask for you know, it's like it's like whoa, calm it down. You know, work up to everything. I mean, a lot of comics they'll go like they'll go on stage. So I'm fucking my dead grandmother next to my dog. It's like Jesus Dude. Christ. The, you know, it's like who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the first sentence Dude. they say, and the audience is like. <gasps> you know, it's like whoa. That shit's so like funny, warm up. Man. How are you guys doing tonight? You know what I mean, like. Yeah, it's it's like I would say, like when you watch a comedy special, they're not the first comic up. They had a guy who warmed up the audience. When yeah. you watch a TV show, there's warm up guys, and warm up guys make a lot of money from yeah. TV shows. Like you got make you got to think about it. if you do a 24 episode season, and you make two grand an episode, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, 
You know, it's like you're, you're making, you're pulling 48 a, a year. Good for you. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, but my point is, it's like, and again, I lost my point. Sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it my happens. DVD, just Dude, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, this is a fucking great ass conversation. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you, man. Um, great. So uh, where can we find your special? Uh, you can find it at my website at www.jessepimpinella.com. Uh, it's also on Amazon. Uh, it's also on Spotify. You can check it out there. Uh, the video is exclusively on my website. I say check out the video. Like I said, we have yeah. a lot of crazy. We got we do we had six camera angles and everything. I'm very Harrison Poole and. Um, Matt Onesti deserve all the credit for how cool that video looked. Dude, shout out to those guys. Yeah. That's fucking dope. And Johnny Lee Dam, who opened the show to make that show work that night. Hell yeah. He, my mentor, that guy taught me everything comedy as well as Disgruntled Clown, all them. I owe everything to those and what's guys. What's his name? The Disgruntled Clown. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check him out. Hilarious. Hell yeah. Hilarious. You ever get a chance to go see him? He uh, Here's how cool he is. I'll say this real quick. He showed to a comedy club, did a two hour show. I, I was hosting for him. He did two hours. And he told the audience, if you come back tomorrow, I'll give you another two hours. Nothing the same. And he delivered. Whoa. He delivered. All right. That's so see him. See Damn. those guys. All those people I mentioned, see them. Dude, hell yeah. Jesse Pimpinella. Fucking love you, bro. Thanks love for coming man. on. Thank Everybody, you. thanks for fucking listening, Thank watching. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. All right.